This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. Something so strongly in my heart I want to share with you. And, and it's a statement that came up in my heart when I was praying a while back. And it was God dealing with me about the transitions that are occurring in, in his kingdom today. And we'll get into that in a minute. But the statement is this, trust me in them. Trust me in them. And I want to talk about some things that we've kind of alluded to and actually talked about in detail in past uh, podcasts, but this one is a little bit more specific and directed in another way, because I believe right now that we are in a kingdom reset. There is the greatest transfer of kingdom resources and, if you will, authority um, that's, that's, that, that has maybe happened in the, in the life of the church in, in the United States. The, the average age of pastors today, uh, and I, I, I despise the term megachurch pastors, but, but just for the sake of time, the average age of, quote, the megachurch pastor is somewhere between 58 and 60. And, uh, and, and I fall right into that category. And, and there is a transfer occurring. Now, that transfer doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be done well. If we know anything about transitions in the kingdom of God, at least in recent church history, it doesn't always go well. And, and it's my hope, and I believe part of my calling is to help, help, help all of us, wherever you're at, whether you're the one stepping into your calling, into your kingdom time of leadership, uh, or, or those that, that, are, that are handing things off, that we do it in a way, this is so important, that pleases God, that, that empowers his purpose in the earth. So this month, uh, I, the, the focus is going to be on how to fully empower the transitions that are occurring in God's kingdom right now. And I want to help us to, to fight for the right thing. You know, if you, if you are a leader, and particularly if you're a pastor, you've learned something that, that is pretty obvious, that people are built to fight. And if they aren't fighting for a God thing, they're just going to fight. And, and you'll be a referee and you'll manage the, the, the energies of, of amazing people to fight battles that are utterly worthless and have no eternal value. And so I want to help us, along with myself, these are the things that I've been praying through in my own life. And we just finished a prayer meeting with my leaders this, uh, this morning along this very line. I want us to fight for, to hear God's voice, to be led by God, to, for his multi-generational plan to reach souls, not for preferences, not for a fight for power, uh, not for a fight for uh, let go so I can hold on or uh, uh, don't, no, don't, don't grab that, I'm not done with it yet. Uh, but so let me just take you back just a moment to, to where this came from for me. Uh, I've shared this a bit in the past, but I think it's a bit presumptuous and uh, maybe prideful to think people remember anything you say. So let me just take a moment and reiterate it. A while back, uh, actually probably going on three years now, God dealt with me on a in, in a meeting in a January. So I'm forgetting whether it was two and a half or three years. I forget, whatever. Uh, and he dealt with me that new wine would be coming out of me. But at the very same time, I knew he was speaking to my heart something so very clear about what he was going to do in the coming generation. And so 
the presumption, I think, of every leader is that you have to have direction, and the presumption is to lead. I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. It's just you do something for decades, you just don't see it as a beginning and an end. And so my 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 I guess a presumption was God was going to give me details about what was to come. And the more I waited on God and prayed about it, it became really, really clear to me. Is I'm not giving you anything for the next generation. In fact, I'm not speaking to you about it at all. But so the, the conflict for me or the confusion, and it's not unusual for me to be confused, is how can you bring new wine out of me, yet not tell me the wineskin in which to pour it? Now, I don't want to presume that everybody listening to this understands the terminology of wineskin. But Jesus said, if you take new wine and you pour it into an old wineskin, which is basically an animal skin, that that animal skin, which has already been used, is stretched out. And when the wine expands, it'll burst and you'll lose the wine. He said, you put new wine into a new wineskin. Now, so my question was, well, Lord, if my wineskin of my generation is, is, is reaching its, its end of usefulness, but you're telling me you've given me new wine, how, how does that work? And, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious, but I don't know if you're like me. Obvious things aren't always obvious to me. And it was so clear over a time of, of prayer, and I wish direction with God came as simply as I prayed and I got a paragraph and I knew everything to do. But I think we all understand that we see through a glass or a mirror dimly lit and then face to face. That direction from God comes in steps, not leaps. And if we'll just stay in his presence, the clarity will come and we'll, we'll have a true peace in our heart. And so what he began to make clear to me was that, John, you're going to have to humble yourself. And here's the term that is the title today for this podcast. Trust me in them. Humble yourself and trust me in them. And then you can pour your wine into their wineskin, which makes me realize that if I'll follow God in this last season of my ministry, these last how many years I have left on this earth to be fruitful for God, that if I'll humble myself, if I'll honor his voice in the, in the emerging generation of leaders, those in their 20s, 30s, and 40s even, that he will permit me and give me an avenue to add the wine, if you will, the, the calling, the purpose of my life that he'll put in my soul. But he'll give me a container to pour it in. But again, let's if you're leading today, it is going to be the most difficult thing you will ever do is to move away from the presumption that you must continue to lead. It, it I, I just think it's a it's not a bad or a good thing. I just think it's a pretty common thing. And so much so that it's something that God just consistently speaks to my heart about to protect my heart. And I think we're pretty much all the same. The things that we may struggle with, the battles we may face, the temptations we all face. Uh, As the scripture said, there's no temptation, but what's common to men. And so God's really strengthening my heart to trust him. But more importantly, trust me in them. So if if today God has put kingdom responsibility leadership in your hands, and you perhaps are a senior leader or a senior pastor or a, a pastor that's leading... And, and you're like me, maybe in your late 50s, uh, early 60s, or even 70s. If you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, 
He's going to be talking to you about how to transfer that. And then he's going to give you another assignment. It may be in the same church. It may, it, I, I don't know what it means. I'm not God and I won't presume to know what that means for you. But I found this out in talking to people who have transitioned that are my age and older. When they didn't have something in their heart from God, their transition was very difficult emotionally because they felt like they were leaving something instead of going to something. I had the great privilege a couple years back to spend uh, four or five days with John Maxwell and uh, seven or eight other men on a pheasant hunting trip. And it was just, uh, I don't know how to exaggerate that time with, with him and how generous he was and just warm and open. It was remarkable. But when we were together, he said some things that I remember. Just actually wasn't preparing to say this, but I'd, it comes up in my heart. He said, I, ever, I ever, never left something to go to something better. I thought, wait a minute. This is John Maxwell, who seems like he's, he's strategically planned out until he dies. But he said, God never put something in my heart that what, what I was leaving was always better than what I was stepping into. In other words, I was leaving security, something that was built, something that I had developed, into something that wasn't. And he said, throughout my life, I never stepped into the predictable. I never stepped into something that looked better, but I stepped into the will of God. And I just thought that was so powerful because today John Maxwell is, I don't know his age, I believe John's in his early 70s, but he's as alive and vibrant with the call of God on his life, maybe more so than at any time in his life. What a great example and what a great model. But you know, we also have a biblical model. And when you remember that in Scripture, of course, the, the, the patriarch, the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's very important to remember that there was a time and a season where all of them were alive together at the same time. And they actually, the Bible said, dwelt in tents together. There was actually a 15-year period of time where Abraham was alive, Isaac was alive, and Jacob was alive. And Abraham, God used him. We know how God spoke to him. But I think sometimes we forget that Abraham was still living when God began to speak to Isaac. And we see the shift of God moving to another generation. He wasn't done with Abraham. Abraham was no longer unusable for his purposes. But God was moving to reach a different generation. And I think it's so amazing that God permitted Abraham to watch Isaac, I'm sorry, Jacob grow up to the age of 15 before he went to heaven. So how remarkable is that? Abraham, who was, I mean, called to lead in a way that just none of us can, I believe, you know, fully wrap our mind around, stepped aside. And yet he still is identified as the one who God formed the covenant with. And then Isaac and then Jacob. And, and that's what God's wanting us to do today is not to be obsolete, not to be thrown aside, but to understand that in the kingdom of God, we dwell in tents together. But there are real challenges that lie ahead of us to see this come to pass. Because the biblical model is simply this, that we have to make a choice to humble ourselves to who God is calling to lead at that time. No matter who that is, no matter what their age, and wherever the age difference is, whether it's someone younger, realizing that God may still have his hand where uh, someone may be in their 60s, 70s even, maybe God truly is calling them to lead. Then, 
then we honor God. We don't look to the culture. And and there's that present reality for, for I would say, which will be the general rule for people like me in my phase and stage of life. Is it like John the Baptist? We have to decrease that the next generation can increase. But then those that are emerging into leadership, there's some requirements of them. I've talked in extensive, extensively in podcasts in the past about humility, but I, I won't go there today. But that's critical. But the emerging generation of leaders have to realize that keeping God's word and his values and his mandates are critical. Those are immovable. They're immutable. They're unchangeable. They are called to keep those, not the wineskin of the previous generation, or more, almost more importantly, and not to be conformed to the image of this world regarding God's method of leading people. Because today, the culture rejects God's way of leadership. And let me be very clear. You can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You're going to find one fact to be true. God never calls a committee. He never calls a group. He never calls a people group to do a study, figure out the best opportunity, and show up at that opportunity. And then one of those people get the consensus and run out in front of everyone else and pretend they're the leader. God never, that I see in Scripture, led by committee, ever, he calls people. Now, that requires faith, doesn't it? I mean, it really does when we all understand the, the limits of any human being. And this model of leadership will not change, regardless of generation. You see, when I, what, some of the tendencies I see today in the generation emerging is the distrust for authority. And for good reason. They have seen authority misused in every imaginable way. But we don't throw away what God says because of the failures of the culture or even the Christian culture around us. It's extremely important that we realize it's in scripture. There was a time when they took the the, the articles of the temple and they didn't have gold. So they substituted brass for gold. It looks similar, but God never honored it. Let's be really careful as as you emerge as a, as, a, as a, an emergent leader, whether in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, maybe some of you stepping into that role even in your early 50s, please, please remember, you cannot bring the image of the world to God and ask him to bless it. So be very careful that we don't substitute brass for gold. You say, well, I know places in the Bible where people submitted things to others. I agreed. Uh, Acts 15, Paul and Silas, when there was the doctrinal issue, and we won't go into what it was, but they realized they weren't solving it. So Paul had said, hey, I don't want to run in vain, went back to Jerusalem, and they called the church council. The church council came together. They laid out all of the issues, and then they came to a conclusion. But I find it very interesting. The conclusion wasn't a committee. The conclusion was a man, James. James made the final decision. God called him, James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. He was called to be the final decision maker. Well, I don't know if James was as smart as Bob or Joe. It doesn't matter. That's not my call. It's not your call. This generation's concern to me is that they're going to want to appease people who despise authority by not exercising it. And God's kingdom isn't going to change the way it works. Let me give you some examples. And I'm going to be, please, please, please hear this to the end. 
Don't turn this off or draw a conclusion until after this. Okay, please. Let me talk to you just a little bit about house church. House church, much of the model that I see has nothing to do with expanding the kingdom of God. It has to do with the comfort of those in the house church. They have very little responsibility. No one really is in authority. Everybody gets to decide. And they really have no commitments to anything outside of their own comfort and maybe bringing some people into their house church. I'm not, I'm not painting everyone with the same, same brush, but I'm talking about people motivated for a non-biblical reason. The house church in China is of necessity. And I'm persuaded that if you went to any Christian under persecution in China and said, you now have the privilege of meeting together and not having to meet underground, that you would find meetings and gatherings that would shake, shake the, the, the literal city they were in. But, so, but also let me be clear about this. The new wineskin may be some kind of hybrid. I don't know. God's not going to tell me. There's a local church here of a young man that grew up in our ministry here on staff, and they do something called church everywhere or anywhere, church anywhere. And one week they do church anywhere, and then which is online, and, in, and everybody does is called to bring people into their home and their neighborhood. The next week they meet together. So I'm not talking about that kind of thing. You said, well, I don't know if that's God or not. I don't know what is, it's not my call. And you say, well, what if they're wrong? What if that needs to be adjusted? Then they'll adjust it. Because I can tell you, I made more mistakes than, than you. I, I, I wish I could write books just on failure because then I could be the, the most prolific writer in the world because I, I had no concept of what I was doing. But I was doing my best to obey God. What wineskin will emerge out of something like that? I don't know. Will they make adjustments? I imagine they will. But here's the reality. So please don't, the reason I wanted to hesitate to tell you, please don't go away. I'm not saying God won't use these different expressions. But when the motive behind them is to move away from God's way of leadership, he won't bless it. And it will never have the full approval of heaven. Because the reality of it is this. God has called imperfect people to lead. In Corinthians, he actually said the type of people that he called are weak, base, and foolish to confound the wise and that no flesh would glory in his presence. So it, it built into the kingdom leadership model is looking at the leader and saying, you got to be kidding me. God said, I'm going to call people to lead that those who will look at them according to the flesh will say they're weak, they're just foolish, they're base. These are words like ignoble, comatose, morons. These are all Greek meanings of these words. And if I'm picking people that are going to lead and I'm God, I'm kind of thinking I'm not going to go for them. Now, Paul, who wrote this, was none of those things. But Paul had to take everything that he was. And he said, I counted but dung. So lastly, let me lead us with, leave us with this. We have to leave the next generation with more than facilities. We have to create atmospheres where God's spirit is having free course to move and speak through and to them. And we have to create atmospheres where they have to live by a spirit of faith. And I'm watching that right now. In fact, today, in our final two minutes together, 
we just prayed about this with my staff. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, how do I help my campus pastors who aren't responsible for all of the resources? But if they don't develop a spirit of faith, is there's got to be a way to, for them to take vision over their city and believe God and to see things on the ground that only they can see and to believe God and have faith to do something. You see, here's the balance. When Michelle and I had a, had a call and a vision from God, we didn't own a microphone cable. There was nothing. So it, we were forced into a spirit of faith. But many of those emerging into leadership today are not because there are resources. So I'm asking God, Lord, how do we create environments where you can develop in them a spirit of faith that nothing moves them but what you said? Because nothing replaces a spirit of faith. Nothing. And I mean nothing. Not facilities, not processes, not good people, not teams coming together and strategizing. All of that's wonderful and good. But a spirit of faith requires dependency on God's word and you act on what he tells you to do and it will look foolish and it will look impossible when, when impossible is not attached to the vision of a church or a ministry. God isn't, isn't, isn't fully in it because he never asked you to do something that could be done without him. And this generation is having to deal with things that no generation even considered in American history. They are literally dealing with a generation that is formed to think in ways that would reflect a reprobate mind. I never had to deal with that one day until now. And that's going to be the actual ground that they're going to work from. So here's what I, I want those in my position to be doing as we close. Trust Christ in them. Tell them you believe in them. Encourage them. If they drop the ball, to help them pick it up. I dropped the ball so many times, I, I could write a book on it. I did my best, but I made tons of mistakes. But it's because God calls weak, base, and foolish people. Weak, faith, base, and foolish people drop the ball. It's okay. But when the Spirit of God breathes upon them, he said, no flesh will glory in my presence. And he said, I will bring to nothing the things that are mighty through people that are nothing. So those in, in my place in life, let's, let's pray for this generation that's emergent. And they're, being, they're taking the ball right now. Let's stand with them. Let's believe God with them. Let's pour everything we have into them and leave our hands empty. And when they hit the wall and when they struggle and when they utterly fail, they make the worst choice they could make. And oh my God, this was a terrible decision we made. Don't do anything but say, you, this is, it's okay. God hasn't, isn't off the throne. Take your next step. It won't matter. Just keep loving people, serving people, putting the gospel out there. Do what he tells you to do. Just say, hey, man, we, we didn't do this well. Let's, let's do it again. And for those of you that are emerging, ask God to help you and to put you in environments by calling that require you to trust him. That that if he doesn't move, you don't make it. And if we can do this together, empower each other and love each other and serve each other, then God can shake this world. And I'm believing with everything in me to see a, literally a great awakening in this nation by the power of the Spirit of God. So thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Please share this if it's of any help to you, to others. 
And I'm praying that as we move forward, we do so with a spirit of faith, a spirit of humility, loving one another as we serve him multi-generationally as the kingdom resets. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.